Question 16 of Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on the Theological Virtues, The Virtue of Faith. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on the Theological Virtues, The Virtue of Faith by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 16. Of the Precepts of Faith, Knowledge, and Understanding, in two articles. We must now consider the precepts pertaining to the aforesaid, and under this head there are two points of inquiry. First, the precepts concerning faith. Second, the precepts concerning the gifts of knowledge and understanding. First article. Whether in the old law there should have been given precepts of faith. Objection 1. It would seem that, in the old law, there should have been given precepts of faith. Because a precept is about something due and necessary. Now it is most necessary for man that he should believe, according to Hebrews 11.6. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Therefore, there was very great need for precepts of faith to be given. Objection to. Further, the New Testament is contained in the Old as the reality in the figure as stated above in Pars Prima Secundae, question 107, article 3. Now the New Testament contains explicit precepts of faith. For instance, John 14, 1, You believe in God, believe also in me. Therefore, it seems that some precepts of faith ought to have been given in the old law also. Objection 3. Further, to prescribe the act of a virtue comes to the same as to forbid the opposite vices. Now the old law contained many precepts forbidding unbelief. Thus, Exodus 23. Thou shalt not have strange gods before me. And Deuteronomy 13, 1-3. They were forbidden to hear the words of the prophet or dreamer who might wish to turn them away from their faith in God. Therefore, precepts of faith should have been given in the old law also. Objection 4. Further, confession is an act of faith as stated above in question 3, article 1. Now the old law contained precepts about the confession and the promulgation of faith. For they were commanded in Exodus 12.27 that when their children should ask them, they should tell them the meaning of the paschal observance. And in Deuteronomy 13.9, they were commanded to slay anyone who disseminated doctrine contrary to faith. Therefore, the old law should have contained precepts of faith. Objection 5. Further, all the books of the Old Testament are contained in the Old Law, 
wherefore our lord said in john fifteen twenty five that it was written in the law they have hated me without cause although this is found written in psalm thirty four and psalm sixty eight now it is written in ecclesiasticus two eight ye that fear the lord believe him therefore the old law should have contained precepts of faith on the contrary the apostle in romans three twenty seven calls the old law the law of works which he contrasts with the law of faith therefore the old law ought not to have contained precepts of faith i answer that a master does not impose laws on others than his subjects wherefore the precepts of a law presuppose that every one who receives the law is subject to the giver of the law now the primary subjection of man to god is by faith according to hebrews eleven six he that cometh to god must believe that he is hence faith is presupposed to the precepts of the law for which reason in exodus twenty verse two that which is of faith is set down before the legal precepts in the words i am the lord thy god who brought thee out of the land of egypt and likewise in deuteronomy six four the words hear o israel the lord thy god is one precede the recording of the precepts since however faith contains many things subordinate to the faith whereby we believe that god is which is the first and chief of all articles of faith as stated above in question one articles one and seven it follows that if we presuppose faith in god whereby man's mind is subjected to him, it is possible for precepts to be given about other articles of faith. Thus Augustine, expounding the words, This is my commandment, John 15.12, says, that we have received many precepts of faith. In the old law, however, the secret things of faith were not to be set before the people, wherefore, presupposing their faith in one god no other precepts of faith were given in the old law reply to objection one faith is necessary as being the principle of spiritual life wherefore it is presupposed before the receiving of the law reply to objection two even then our lord both presupposed something of faith namely belief in one god when he said you believe in god and commanded something namely belief in the incarnation whereby one person is god and man this explanation of faith belongs to the faith of the new testament wherefore he added believe also in me reply to objection three the prohibitive precepts regard sins which corrupt virtue now virtue is corrupted by any particular defect as stated above in pars prima secunde question eighteen article four third reply and in pars prima secunde question nineteen article six first reply 
and in Article 7, Third Reply. Therefore, faith in one God being presupposed, prohibitive precepts had to be given in the old law, so that men might be warned off those particular defects whereby their faith might be corrupted. Reply to Objection 4 Confession of faith and the teaching thereof also presuppose man's submission to God by faith so that the old law could contain precepts relating to the confession and teaching of faith rather than to faith itself. Reply to Objection 5 In this passage again, that faith is presupposed whereby we believe that God is. Hence it begins, Ye that fear the Lord, which is not possible without faith. The words which follow, Believe him, must be referred to certain special articles of faith, chiefly to those things which God promises to them that obey him, wherefore the passage concludes, And your reward shall not be made void. Second article. Whether the precepts referring to knowledge and understanding were fittingly set down in the old law. Objection 1. It would seem that the precepts referring to knowledge and understanding were unfittingly set down in the old law. For knowledge and understanding pertain to cognition. Now cognition precedes and directs action. Therefore, the precepts referring to knowledge and understanding should precede the precepts of the law referring to action. Since then, the first precepts of the law are those of the Decalogue, it seems that precepts of knowledge and understanding should have been given a place among the precepts of the Decalogue. Objection to Further, learning precedes teaching, for a man must learn from another before he teaches another. Now the old law contains precepts about teaching, both affirmative precepts as, for example, Deuteronomy 4.9 Thou shalt teach them to thy sons. And prohibitive precepts as, for instance, Deuteronomy 4.2 You shall not add to the word that I speak to you, neither shall you take away from it. Therefore, it seems that man ought to have been given also some precepts directing him to learn. Objection 3. Further, knowledge and understanding seem more necessary to a priest than to a king, wherefore it is written in Malachi 2.7, The lips of the priest shall keep knowledge, and they shall seek the law at his mouth. And in Hosea 4.6, Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will reject thee, that thou shalt not do the office of priesthood to me. Now the king is commanded to learn knowledge of the law, in Deuteronomy 17, 18, and 19. Much more, therefore, should the law have commanded the priests to learn the law. Objection 4. Further, 
it is not possible while asleep to meditate on things pertaining to knowledge and understanding moreover it is hindered by extraneous occupations therefore it is unfittingly commanded in deuteronomy six seven thou shalt meditate upon them sitting in thy house and walking on thy journey sleeping and rising therefore the precepts relating to knowledge and understanding are unfittingly set down in the law on the contrary it is written in deuteronomy four six that hearing all these precepts they may say behold a wise and understanding people i answer that three things may be considered in relation to knowledge and understanding first the reception thereof secondly the use and thirdly their preservation now the reception of knowledge or understanding is by means of teaching and learning and both are prescribed in the law for it is written in deuteronomy 6 6 these words which i command thee shall be in thy heart this refers to learning since it is the duty of a disciple to apply his mind to what is said while the words that follow and thou shalt tell them to thy children refer to teaching the use of knowledge and understanding is the meditation on those things which one knows or understands in reference to this the text goes on thou shalt meditate upon them sitting in thy house etc their preservation is effected by the memory and as regards this the text continues and thou shalt bind them as a sign on thy hand and they shall be and shall move between thy eyes and thou shalt write them in the entry and on the doors of thy house thus the continual remembrance of god's commandments is signified since it is impossible for us to forget those things which are continually attracting the notice of our senses whether by touch as those things we hold in our hands or by sight as those things which are ever before our eyes or to which we are continually returning for instance to the house door moreover it is clearly stated in deuteronomy four nine forget not the words that thy eyes have seen and let them not go out of thy heart all the days of thy life we read of these things also being commanded more notably in the new testament both in the teaching of the gospel and in that of the apostles reply to objection one according to deuteronomy four six this is your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations by this we are given to understand that the wisdom and understanding of those who believe in god consist in the precepts of the law wherefore the precepts of the law had to be given first and afterwards men had to be led to know and understand them and so it was not fitting that the aforesaid precepts should be placed among the precepts of the decalogue which take the first place 
Reply to Objection 2. There are also in the law precepts relating to learning, as stated above. Nevertheless, teaching was commanded more expressly than learning, because it concerned the learned, who were not under any other authority, but were immediately under the law, and to them the precepts of the law were given. On the other hand, learning concerned the people of lower degree, and these the precepts of the law have to reach through the learned. Reply to Objection 3. Knowledge of the law is so closely bound up with the priestly office that being charged with the office implies being charged to know the law. Hence, there was no need for special precepts to be given about the training of the priests. On the other hand, the doctrine of God's law is not so bound up with the kingly office because a king is placed over his people in temporal matters. Hence it is especially commanded that the king should be instructed by the priests about things pertaining to the law of God. Reply to Objection 4 That precept of the law does not mean that man should meditate on God's law by sleeping, but during sleep. That is, that he should meditate on the law of God when he is preparing to sleep, because this leads to his having better phantasms while asleep, insofar as our movements pass from the state of vigil to the state of sleep, as the philosopher explains in Ethics one thirteen. In like manner, we are commanded to meditate on the law in every action of ours, not that we are bound to be always actually thinking about the law, but that we should regulate all our actions according to it. End of question 16 and the questions concerning the virtue of faith. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.